What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with my two co-hosts, Vito Anazelli and Michael Nolan. We have another great show for you. Before that, please take a moment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also, give us a follow at, on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod. Guys, we've got a lot to talk about. Domestic leagues are taking a break real quick while international break starts up. Uh, before that, news notes from around the world. Obviously, the biggest talking point. Mr. Mike Dean has announced his retirement. For those who don't know, he's a referee, uh, mainly in the primary. Does he do uh, Champions League by any means? I, don't know I think, I, I, God forbid, if he never did the Champions League, he'd be a world, <laughs> be a world stage name. Uh, no, just the Premier League. But we need him in the Champions League. That's must-watch entertainment. <laughs> but we still might get him because he's not retiring. He's just moving to VAR. Is he actually? Is that? Yeah, he's moving over to VAR, so it's going to be still an interesting – Interesting couple of years. <laughs> that might be worse. I, I can, I, that's I a, like that's a thousand percent worse. He's like he's he's gonna literally be he's like the wizard, central. He's literally gonna be like Oz and the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain, just pulling all the strings, and everyone's gonna be like, "Whoa, who's doing this?" And really, it's him in the background. Yeah. You want yourself <laughs> wondering an interesting Mike Dean fact for the day? Go for it. He he had an interesting start. He started off working at a chicken factory where he claimed to have killed 140,000 of them. <laughs> that sounds the tabloid money is unbelievable. Yeah, that guy is a living legend, an iconic referee for not just the number of red cards he's given out, but the manner at which he gave them out. I mean, the way he shooed players away, the way he brandish brand or brandish yeah you had it right brandish yeah brandish the red cards um god it was a sight to behold when players would look in disbelief when they saw that man come up to them <laughs> i was expected so they couldn't have been that surprised any change to refereeing in england after he's gone or just or potentially just less red cards no they're just gonna move on with it it's gonna be same old same old yeah same shitty Premier League refereeing, just one less, let's just say, eccentric referee. <laughs> uh, so we do have some ter- uh, transfer talking points, so some big big names out there. Uh, Davila is going to be a free agent, links to Man U, from what I understand. Um, Declan Rice had a $150 million price tag slapped on by West Ham. That's interesting. And then Kessie is going to be joining Barcelona on a free transfer in the summer. Out of those three, any anyone stand out more than the other? Uh, I was going to say, I'm not sure Kessie, they need him at Barcelona right now, given just kind of their midfield and the revival they're going through. They got a lot of young talent. Dybala, I think, is probably going to be the biggest standout because Declan Rice being English, young, he's obviously going to fetch at minimum 100 mil. Let's let's be real here. Uh, But Dybala being out of contract and Juventus, Curious to see where he lands personally. I think it'll be Spain because I'm not sure he's necessarily built for the Premier League physicality. He's had a lot of injuries in the past. So I'd be kind of interested to see where he he lands and what his next move is. Yeah, I mean, going right down that list in terms of the clubs that currently have them, Paulo Dybala, Juventus, what a loss. Um, yeah. uh, Declan Rice, I don't know what West Ham are thinking. He's not going to sign a new contract. This has got to be the opening opening number, right? Because there's no way Declan Rice is going for $150 million. Uh, especially when he has, what, maybe uh, two years left on his deal? Like, I think it's have to get rid of him now. What's that? I think it's even less than that. I could be wrong, though. Really? I don't know. I, I, I have to look into that. But 
honestly, the best piece of business in that list is Kessie going to Barca on a free. He's been playing out of his mind. Um, I mean, we see how good that team is when he's, when he's in there week in, week out. And I, that's a fantastic piece of business. And it helps with the aging uh, Sergio Busquets and, and that natural placement, you know? Um, so I think all in all, that's probably the biggest, the biggest win of the three. Yeah, Barcelona is also on a mini revival right now. After Zavi took over at head uh, manager, they, I, to my knowledge, I don't think they've lost. Uh, and then they actually absolutely just smacked Real Madrid in the uh, four nothing in the where they're El, El Clasico. El Clasico, just biggest brain fart of all time just now. So, where do you think DiBala and Rice end up landing then? Because they're still Rice, a lot they, they make the terms right at, at Juventus. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't see Rice leaving the Prem. It's just going to go to one of the top contenders, top 14 more than likely. Um, whoever lands in Champions League might be automatically qualified basically for him. Um, so I would basically, at, at this point, I would leave Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City. All could afford him. Eh, could Arsenal? I don't know. Maybe not. But all, <laughs> the rest of them, all could afford him. Yeah, I, I think... Um, Dybala, I'm not sure that that's a tough one. That, that that's like Mike said. I don't know. I don't know if he could come to the Prem. So it doesn't fit his play style. Spain would probably be the most realistic, if not maybe Germany. There's talk of um, making a switch to Inter too, though. I don't know if he would do that. Um, maybe, but I personally see Dybala as just a player in Spain. He's just technically very gifted. He just fits like a lot of that style really well, in my opinion. I could easily see him going to like Atletico Madrid or like, um, honestly, honestly, like a Barcelona. Like, yeah, I, I was feel like would, that could be another Barcelona. I, I I feel like he would just fit in so well in those types of systems. Yeah, he thrive on the Xavi, for sure. And and the whole free aspect of it, Barcelona's not going to get many opportunities like the two that are on the table right now with Kessie on a free and Dybala on a free. I mean, you're going to have to be paying money for these types of players. And I think when the when the cards are on the table and you have these options, you have to go and do it. Because if you can't spend money on anyone else, you're never going to get a player of that quality. I mean, we'll see. It didn't really work out for PSG so far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Finally getting a bunch of players on free. So Yeah. Five of the last seven, speaking of which, losing matches. Yeah. Downtrend. <laughs> <laughs> Let's head over to the Premier League, get our weekly recaps going. Um, first off, massive, massive three points for Everton over Newcastle uh, last Thursday. Uh, I will be left it for was it the 94th, 95th minute, basically at the absolute death for them. Yeah. Um, Allen had an interesting red card. I love to hear your guys' thoughts about that one. If you thought it was or was not, um, but massive, massive three points. They needed that desperately. So four point gap uh, from Burnley. So on the red card in particular, thought that was total BS. Um, it, to me, it looked like obviously a foul. Um, he went right through his ankle, but the he was playing the ball and also it wasn't necessarily a malicious tackle. I'll just say that. Like I, you've seen worse tackles before um, given or like, you know, have taken place and rightfully they've been given red. I'm not sure in that scenario, if that's a red. Cause it looked like to me more of like a tactical foul, a tactical yellow. Um, I think given the situation of the game, what they're playing for, I think it was a really shitty call by the referee. And luckily for Everton, you know, they were able to come back and win. What sucks is obviously they tried to appeal it and Allen is still going to be serving a three-game suspension. So, yeah, I think it was a hard yellow card, definitely on, on the line. So I, I understand why it was given, but I think 
there wasn't much intent. To, there, there wasn't intent to injure the player. Um, yeah. Did he go in suds up? Yeah, a little bit. He did. So it, I can see both sides, but personally for me, I think that's a, just a, a yellow card. Yeah. Speaking of which, not the cards themselves, but the stadium when Everton scored and Awobi scored. Oh my, my God. Lord. It popped, popped off. And we also have to talk about, which we didn't touch on in that game. Um, our boy who pretty much tied himself to the pole. Zip tie political messaging. So a lot happened in that game. Um, it was a very entertaining game for a lot of reasons. <laughs> so he could have zip tied his hands to the pole too. He didn't have to run his neck. Like I just love the got, video you, on Twitter where they pull the guy out with like the ginormous like uh, clippers, and then you see him just like ah, 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 like trying to clip yeah. this like little zip tie. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, this is really what they have to do to get this guy off the post, right? <laughs> I think it's genius. If you're going to go for it, go out all the way. I mean, if you just tie your hands to it, you know, doesn't send as, as strong of a message as doing it around your own neck right there. That, that's sacrifice right there. Yeah, for the cause. <laughs> for the cause. But, yeah, I mean, on a side note, like, the stadium itself, when he scored, you could almost feel, like, the tension and the anxiousness just totally leave and go out through the roof of – you know, Everton right there. It was big do for you the think players, that big spur, for the fans. Do you think that spurs the run of form that we've probably been waiting for two thirds of the season for them? Or, or actually like the opening opening couple weeks, something, something similar? I mean, honestly, I think in any other scenario it would, but given their particular schedule of the games they have to play. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. I mean, it's, it's, it's a confidence boost for sure, but is it going to help them win any games? I, I don't know. So we'll see. I mean, if it doesn't if help them win, they get those three points. West Ham and Burnley are next, right? So if it doesn't help them win those two, then nothing going to. But then it's what? United, there's Leicester, Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester again, Arsenal. <laughs> like, Does that keep either. them up? Does that do enough? If they win against West Ham and Burnley, with I think if they win, hand three points above the drop, you think that does enough? I think if they win against Burnley, I think that's gonna. If they can get a point off West Ham and then win Burnley, they're at what 25, 26 right now. Twenty five. Twenty five. That takes their chances much, much better. Yeah, I mean, especially right. especially the game against Burnley. Um, it's a must win for both teams, honestly. So, I think they get that. They're pretty much gonna be almost guaranteed. So we'll see. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. But their schedule, obviously, yes, doesn't help them one bit. I would like to think that something of such such a massive moment would like would get their team going. So it will be fun to watch. But if they did not get those three points just then against Newcastle, serious, serious, serious relegation candidates. Yeah, a thousand percent. So. so. Moving on to another very big win. Um, the universe kind of flipped upside down. Wolves had a one nothing lead, guys, and the game did not end one nothing. <laughs> it ended up three a three two for Leeds, which is unbelievable. Uh, Bamford back in the starting lineup, un- unfortunately, had to come off injured. I think it was something with his hamstring. It looked um, very awkward landing that he had. Yeah. But, I mean, two wins out of three matches. Jesse Marsh got them moving. It feels that Leeds is. They're not secure yet by any means. They still have some games in hand for other teams to catch up on, but feels like they're heading in the right direction towards survival. 
Look, that voodoo circle, as much as people wanted to make fun of it, it worked, man. It worked. We, we said that, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. After every That's game. Ted Lasso. They're doing it. You know they're doing it in the locker room now. People are probably giving a little bit of blood, a little bit of their firstborn. They're like, all right, yeah. they have to stay up. Um, yeah, I mean, two wins are the last three games. Last two in particular at the death uh, for both of the games. Uh, I'm sure that team is in particular on cloud nine. Um, Jesse March has got them playing a lot more stable. Like we said, defensively, they still look good offensively. Their XG is still really good as a team. Um, it absolutely is heart wrenching for Bam- Bamford. And hopefully it's like a minor injury. Cause he's a probably big key and cog to that team. But you know, if he comes back and they're able to get that finisher back, you know, hopefully it's not a serious long-term injury. I think they're up. So. I don't know. I, <sighs> It's a good. It's a, I'm not taking anything away from the result. It's a great result, a great resiliency to fight back and, and score three goals in the second half to, to claim that, especially at the death. But let's not pretend that they weren't entirely outplayed the first half of that match. If without that Rahul Menes red card, that game goes maybe almost four nothing to Wolves. So I, I don't place a lot of um, a lot of weight in the res, in the result. While I do place result, while I do put weight in the actual points, the points are what counts at this point for them. And I mean, that, that pushed them two wins in a row, 30 points, I believe. I mean, it's hard to see them being back in the relegation battle unless they were to go on and lose their next like six games in a row, which I just don't see happening. They, they still have work to do, but I mean, these last two wins were massive and it, and it really pushed them above uh, some of the other teams at the table. Yeah. Great space. Uh, Villain Arsenal, Arsenal, uh, Kick that one up. Do you – the biggest talking point, in, in my opinion, for this one, I thought was Mings potentially getting away with the yellow card. My opinion, I didn't even think it was a yellow card. I thought it was a good tackle, honestly. Yeah. I, I thought it was clean. I mean, he got the ball first. He just came through, and his foot was low. He just made contact with Sokka's ankle. Like, it was it was straight – it was only follow-through. Like, the, the, the entire tackle on the play, like, he got all ball, was just – like, what are you supposed to do? Like, get like touch the ball, kick it away, and then just stand up immediately? I mean, in my head, it's, you know, there's that play, right? And, you know, if you look at it, comparatively speaking to Allen, right, who had, I don't want to say a similar card, but a red card, but he went through someone's ankle, right? It was a similar style of a tackle. Allen didn't necessarily get the ball. But, you know, like, in terms of where the placement was and what they were trying to do, there's not much of a difference in my head there. Like, they're both tactical fouls. You know, like, yeah, I, I thought it was more. I, I honestly didn't even think it deserved the yellow card. I, watching it back on the replay, real time, maybe a little different. Seemed a little, you know, seemed a little aggressive or, you know, old school kind of tackle. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. But Arsenal come away with the 1 0 victory. Saka scores again. Really helps that for that top four spot. I'm sure he'll have nice words to say to him in the England camp. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> is Mings in as well? I, I, I didn't see He is. Well, yeah, he is. He is. Okay. Yeah. Um, what do we think about Arsenal's top four chances right now? They said three points ahead of Tottenham, game in hand. Uh, to my knowledge, they, that is the Chelsea makeup. Yep, that's uh, the Chelsea makeup. And then they have the North London Derby, which they have to replay. Does not get easy for them. Does not get easy. Yeah, but they um, are they are firmly in the driver's seat. I mean, barring that slip against Liverpool, which you can't even call it a slip because it's it's Liverpool, you Liverpool. know. Yeah. Like they are they are the hottest team, I think form wise outside of Liverpool. 
Like, I know Chelsea have won their last five, but when you're talking about actual performances putting in, dude, Arsenal looks slick. They look Arsene Wenger, like, 2011 slick, way Arteta has them going. I mean, it's obviously theirs to lose, but that game in hand is going to be huge. That's really what it's going to come down to because Tottenham are biting at their heels right now, three points back only. It feels yeah. the exact same situation as Burnley and Everton. Whoever kind yeah. of hangs out, whoever gets those three points, Arsenal can just separate themselves and really, really clinch that top four. Or Spurs can bring them right into another dogfight. I still think Arsenal do it. I, I think they end up in the fourth spot, regardless of how close Tottenham United are, and that the game in hand that Arsenal do have is against Chelsea. It's not the results not out of out of reach for them, obviously. And I trust Arsenal. I can't believe I'm saying this. I trust Arsenal not to slip up more than I do Tottenham or Manchester United to slip up. I would agree with that statement uh, logically, but biasly, go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah. no, I, I do think it's it's theirs to lose. I, I do think they're playing unbelievably slick football to, to Vito's point. Um Obviously, those two games are going to be very telling versus Chelsea versus Tottenham of where both teams are in particular um, in terms of the table and their form and whatnot. But, um, yeah, pressure's on. They got to make every game count. They got to win. Um, they're playing really well. Lacazette's playing really well as a false nine. Saka's playing well. Martinelli's playing well. Like, the list goes on, right? So, kudos to them. They deserve to be where they're at. And ultimately I think they have a pretty, pretty good shot of being in the top four when it's all said and done. So and a lot of shtick's been given to obviously Lacazette for his lack of goals, but I mean, he, it almost feels like he's turned into a little bit of a Giroud number nine towards his end at end of time at Arsenal and Chelsea, where he's been more of a target man setting up play for the, for the wingers and the central midfielders just kind of get more involved in front of net. Yeah. That's exactly what it it's, looks it's like. It's been really me. effective. Yeah, he seems to be taking on. I don't know if he's just switching styles like in his career now, maybe less pace. He's getting up there in age and, and all that. But yeah. uh, if I'm not mistaken, he has the most assists on the team in the Premier League. Or am I wrong on that one? I think you're right. For for Arsenal, at least, yeah. Yeah, for Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. Not not saying the league. I'm saying for for Arsenal themselves. Yeah. So uh, it just only doubles down though for them in particular. You know, if they have all these young players, they got to get younger. They got to bring in a striker in the summer, um, no, no matter what they do. Someone to back up Aubameyang, uh, who could play that real nine role. So, well, yep, Aubameyang's definitely gone. Thriving, <laughs> thriving yeah, over thriving. He is thriving. Put up some serious numbers in that El Clasico game. So, do you guys think Arsenal? Are two years away from making like a run at the title with with the young the the young core they currently have. Does it not feel like they're kind of building something a little bit more special? I don't think so. I don't think they have a shot at the title next year or the year after. I, I I'm don't. Saying, no, I'm, I'm saying like two years. Like next year, maybe third place or something along those lines, and then really push a little bit later. They do. They have more pieces to obtain. I'm not saying they don't. I'm just saying that such young talent and they're already performing at these young ages. I don't know. To they me, they kind of. To me, they kind of remind. This is going to obviously sound a little backwards, but they remind me of like when Spurs had Poch and at the beginning of his managerial career with like Tottenham in general, right? And they had the young team and the young talent, and there was that good England core, right? And that good core of players they have. Um, obviously, there's going to be questions about can they go on and can they win the games they need to win. But given the gulf of talent 
you know, we've talked about previously with Liverpool, with City. That's not even assuming City sign Holland. It's not even assuming, man, you don't sign somebody, right? Or Chelsea sign somebody given their financial situation. I think there's still too much of a gulf of quality for where Arsenal is and where they want to be, um, at least even a year or two years down the line right now. I think if they get a big signing, sure, there's a probability that could happen and they'll keep fighting for that top four spot and maybe make a title push. But for now, I think they're just teetering on that fourth and fifth spot of like as a team where they'll be over the next two to three years. I think that the big signings also become an issue because regardless of how well Arsenal are playing and where, how bad United are playing and the uncertainty around Chelsea, I still think Chelsea and United are probably more attractive destinations than Arsenal at this point. If you're a young player, yeah, but at this point in where Arsenal have their squad at, you don't want that young player. Not that you would take it, obviously, if it's a great talent, but that that veteran player, that that seasoned player, that leader and and goal scorer, really, um, they're not going to be easy to come by, especially when you're competing against the rest of the teams in, in, in the continent, you know? I mean, who do you think, realistically, they could bring in that would immediately make him an impact to be that top contender, or at least be in con- – to be in that conversation if they had the ability to realistically that's available that's let's say one to two years from now i think they should be targeting ikari he's unsettled at psg they're looking to offload him and he's talented enough to improve that team while also probably not going to be sought after by barcelona's real madrid's chelsea's and manchester city's i think he's a good fit for that team he's quick well, semi-quick, and uh, he's, he's a proven goal scorer. I think that's one of the players they should be looking at. Got a lot of baggage, though. He does have a <laughs> lot of baggage. I was about to say, there's a lot of off-the-field issues. He does have a lot of baggage. But so did Suarez. Remember, biting people and shit, looking at Barcelona. <laughs> very true, very true. A little bit different. Sure yeah, I know. <laughs> the real reason I pose that kind of question, though, is typically teams is very, very difficult, no matter what league. or It, it could be here in the States, too, like, NBA, NFL, all that kind of stuff. It's very, very difficult to stay at the top for such a long period of time. Yeah. So it was more kind of a thing is Arsenal are up and coming. And then do we do we really think Man City and Liverpool can keep – don't forget, they're going to be aging as well. A lot of their top players are so, somewhat older too. Um, can they keep that sustained pressure? You know, Pep might be leaving. I've heard, you know, things about – I want to say early in the season, Klopp wasn't even too sure how long he might be around as well. Yeah. So I'm just saying that there is always a changing of the guard. It just kind of feels that they are building something that potentially could take over – if the teams above them were to start slipping a little bit. I think they have the potential, but I think they're like one or two signings away from being in that conversation. Yeah. I mean, the stars would have to align. I think to your point with Klopp and and Pep, their leaving would obviously change perception drastically, but as things stand without any confirmation on them leaving, I don't think it's quite there. But going back to that transfer point though, let's loop it back around to CONCACAF. What do you think about Jonathan David being a signing for that? I think he'd be a great signing for them. Honestly, Uh, he's, great with hold up play he's fast um i mean he probably would fit into that team really right. well uh, honestly um, is he looking to get out of Lille? i mean obviously, he is yeah I mean, he's, he's a step up no disrespect he, I, I think he definitely is honestly i think he would probably do really well for arsenal and that kind of system all right arsenal there you go we just we just found your freaking striker for you <laughs> hire us <laughs> best scouts ever <laughs> Uh, moving on to last last round of games uh, before the international break, Leicester with a big two one win over Brentford. 
we had golosos in this game right now. Castagna with an absolute belter into the top corner. Mike, what happens up in the top corner? Her mama hides the cookies. <laughs> <laughs> and then James Madison hit an absolute beauty of a free kick in it also. Um, Brent forgot one late on. Wasn't enough. Um, Shermichael had an absolute great game in net. Probably Brentford scores. I, I don't even know how many if he's not, if he's not playing. Yeah. Uh, and that, that, that amazing performance on his end. Um, anything – Leicester's been a weird team all year. Obviously, if we had to go back to preseason, we'd say, what, they were probably put – not – they might be pushing for Champions League, but definitely somewhere in Europe at the very least. Yeah, at the minimum. Yeah. What do you guys take upon their season so far? I mean, they're sitting there mid-table, literally 10th, 36 points. And I think just, they and- got hit by the same – fatigue and injury bug that West Ham has gotten hit with via just the ton of games, the buildup, um, the prior season, um, the lack of depth. Um, I think that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think that's just ultimately played a part in their downfall so far this season. And I, uh, I also don't look too heavily into it just because Leicester historically have been inconsistent. I mean, two years in a row, they should have locked up a Champions League spot and let slip in the last couple of weeks. I think every single team, regardless of their size, eventually have a season every couple of years where they don't perform to expectations. And I think this is kind of one of those lesser seasons. I mean, it's, you see Madison's getting way back in form. I mean, he's back into the goals, back in assists and his performances. He wasn't playing for large portions of the season and Jimmy Vardy's netting goals coming off the bench and netting goals. So I think it's just a matter of getting their mental state back in line. Like I, I don't expect it to, this to happen again next year. Um, and I expect them to spend the money and, and go out and get a couple of players, knowing that West Ham are competing that high and Tottenham, Tottenham's back and Arsenal are back, you know, et cetera. Yeah. On a side note, too, next year? I, I think he'll be the manager. I think he'll have a shorter leash than what he's given right yes. now. But he, he still he should still be the manager. I think he's earned that right with those players and the way he, they performed. Um, on manager. a side note, he is. Yeah, he is. On a side note, I mean, again, like they, you can make a bunch of excuses, like they're missing Fafana. They had players out for like a half the year, right? You know, Pereira was out forever. Yeah, Pereira was out forever. Like, there's a bunch of reasons, you know, why they're at where they're at. But ultimately, I think you give Rodgers a chance. Um, I also think, too, next year in particular, you'll see that official changing of the guard of like Vardy to Pats and, yeah. to Pats and Daka. You'll also probably see, I think Harvey Barnes will step the fuck up next year. <laughs> I, think, I think he's unbelievable, honestly, if you haven't watched him play um as a as a winger he's 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 awesome so i think he's gonna have a breakout year in the prem next year but this is all like an early early prediction but yeah bold predictions already hey you hey, gotta start I, somewhere i like it i like it um one last thing upon um upon lester ian nacho um goal scoring wise i where, where's he after them I, I i don't know he's not even in the top three or four i think he's down he's sitting down there and he was one of the guys who meant to I guess originally backup Vardy or be the second striker in that formation. And he really hasn't shown up at all. Again, just could be an off year for him, the team. I wouldn't place too much thought into it given the year he had prior. It's a little bit of a slump. That's all. Yeah, he's he's had his moments in front of net, but I think it's important to note too, he's also their leading assist creator in the Premier League this season so far. Um, I'm sorry, second highest. Harvey Barnes, the Mike's point is six, and Colecciaccio is five. So he he still is producing when he's getting his minutes, but he doesn't he doesn't get the game time that a lot of other players in that team up. So like he's not a first choice by by a mile. I don't even know if he's a first choice off the bench, to be honest with you. 
after the doctor signing, yeah, I'm, I'm really not too sure either. Um, but just want to call him out. I mean, we called out Ivan Tony, dude dropped a hat trick and then a brace, so maybe we can just you know flip the luck for the guy. <laughs> Hopefully. Last game of the weekend, uh, Tottenham three, West Ham one. Mike, take that one for us. Well, it was a little bit of a, let's just say, revenge game after Spurs got a 1-0 loss early on in the season at the London Stadium. Uh, they ultimately came through um, and honestly played a, a lights-out game against West Ham. There was a split second when they tied the game, or went down, or came back from 2-1, to one, excuse me, at near the end of the first half where you thought, oh, shit, could it happen again and West Ham could tie it 3-3 or 2-2 or something like that like they did the year prior, but... Um, once Spurs ultimately got the third goal, it took the wind out of the sails. Um, Christian Romero in particular, absolute stud of a center back. He had a monster game versus Antonio, completely bullied him off every single challenge, every single ball. Um, Spurs are now, yes, he's, it's not at all. Um, and Spurs are now like, you know, week prior, I was a little bit of pants on fire, but they're now back in a position where they could obviously be in Europe and they could be challenging for the top four. So it was a great, great result for them. Bad result for West Ham. I agree. Um, obviously, as a Spurs fan for yourself, it's always it's always fun just to listen to you week in, week out. Go, yeah, we can't make top four. We're done. We're done. And then next week, you're like, we're back, baby. Yeah, the only the only thing more inconsistent than Leicester's form is Mike's emotions when it comes to Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> it's alright. We forgive you. But, um, yeah, that North London Derby is going to be huge for them. If they can pull three points off Arsenal, it's going to be a very, very fun ride to the to last four. Yeah, it's on a side note with that, too. It was very annoying to hear Arteta complain about the fixture schedules that they're going through and then, you know, talk about how it's piling up. And, you know, they had the chance to play Spurs a couple months ago, but chose not to. Yeah, let's also keep in mind they're not even playing in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, how are you going to be the ones who complain about fixture schedule? <laughs> Was this was this the makeup where they basically like faked injuries and sickness? Yes, I think we don't want to the players. Yeah, and then they loaned out their players the day yeah. later. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, total bullshit. To <laughs> so, all right, let's pack the Premier League for a little while. We got international break with the United States men's national team. Plenty to talk about here. Um, first off, let's just kick it off. We have a ton of key injuries to massive players right now. First off, we've already mentioned a few times on the podcast, Wes McKinnon, broken foot. Sergino Dest tore his hamstring playing for Barcelona. He'll be was out. It, was, it, was, it a, was it a tour? It was a tear, actually. It was an actual. From from what I read, at least it was, yes. Oh, shit. That's, Could be that's wrong. even worse. I can just, I'll, I'll downgrade this to just a hamstring injury because I don't want to put that out there. But from what I read, I saw it torn. Okay. Um, Brendan Aronson, also a slight tear in his MCL. He will not be, after conflicting reports, he will not be attending the United States Men's National Camp. Um, Matt Turner still out with a foot and ankle injury. Top Supposedly that's, that's frostbite. Right, that's right. <laughs> What's according, according to U.S. Twitter conspiracy theorists, it's frostbite. <laughs> <laughs> gnarly. Snowboarding got the best of them. It wasn't snowboarding. It was the Honduras game. <laughs> it might be, honestly. <laughs> um, some glaring omissions. I, I can only come up with two names. One, I wouldn't even really consider that that big first one though obviously john brooks i do love the attitude of what, what he's saying he's he's basically saying his american identity is at stake here at this point he's really trying to fight back into the team clearly there's beef between him and him and uh Berhalter because there's no reason for him not to be in the squad honestly he's his form has massively increased since 
the first time he was dropped, and that's what that was the main excuse of why he wasn't called in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wolfsburg's round turnaround as well for them. He's the main reason because of it. Can you guys really give like a legitimate reason why he's on the squad? The only thing that I can think is that that Greg had to weigh the benefits of having a player in the form that he's in against losing the synergy of the players that are playing week in week out in the in the national team camp. Um, I don't think there's a reason not to call him though, and at least put him on the bench that you need to bring him in. Like you don't want to start him. Okay, I get that. You got you got two players. You got let's say Zimmerman and Harrison right going week in week out. Okay, fine. But not to have arguably your most informed defender knowing that Serginio Dest is out is it's just an odd call to me. So here, here, here are the center backs that I got called in. Walker Zimmerman, Miles Robinson. No problem either one of them. Did playing lights out for us. Aaron Long, gone from the team for a while. He also had an injury last year um, playing for Red Bulls. He just started his season back up. He was just hasn't played a one. single world qualifier match. Hasn't been a part of the team. Funny that. James Sands. Center back slash center defensive mid. Realistically, we put him at like fourth string center back, probably if he has to play that role. I like him more in the midfield anyway. And then we got Eric Palmer Brown. I don't has he? He's been playing well. He's been playing good. You could say has, he no, but has, he, has he been in the qualifiers? I don't know. I don't remember. No, I know he's only got about like two caps. He's been playing well, but would you? Bring him in just for experience, potentially. Sure. Is he someone who you would be starting over Brooks or should be in the team over Brooks? No. I mean, obviously, we on the outside don't know what conversations are happening behind the scenes, what the what's happening from an attitude perspective and to Vito's point from a synergy perspective with like the team itself, right? But from the outside looking in, it seems unbelievably selfish to not only the U.S. team, but the fans themselves, right, to be leaving out arguably your most experienced player in that team who's gone through a World Cup, has gone through multiple World Cup cycles, who's been a part of that journey, right, and who's probably, debatably, your most talented center back at the end of the day. So to leave him off the team, not even as a leadership presence, Mm -hmm. you know, for these guys, uh, these younger kids, in all honesty, because they are younger gentlemen, you know, like, it's, in my head, mind-boggling that they would consider doing that. And Greg would consider doing that. Um, I hope it doesn't come back to bite them, honestly, because obviously we want the U.S. to succeed. But given the people they're calling in ahead of them, the arguments they've made, it makes absolutely no sense to me. Yeah, I think Greg just painted a target on his back, to be honest with you. Um, there's always been questions about some of the starting lineups that he puts out. I know we've talked about it in, in recent uh, previous editions of the podcast. And this just seems like a move where if it doesn't pan out, because given the quality of competition, the United States men's national team has to play and losing McKenney, Dest, Aronson, and your first choice goalkeeper, the yeah. chances of you retaining the ball and dictating play against the Mexico side at that point, who's, who knows they need to come here and get it, who knows they need to go out and get a result in the Azteca, they're not going to see the ball that frequently, as frequently. So you're going to be relying on your defense more than you would in, in previous matches. And if you, if you don't make the World Cup qualifiers during this last round, this is going to be pointed to the reason of why you didn't make it potentially. He's also excellent at playing the ball out of the back, like long balls, direct great. balls just to our striker. It, it doesn't yeah. – I don't know. It's, it's just – it's really uber frustrating as a fan just watching what's what's unfolding and then not. You uber frustrating? Whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a bunch of bullshit. Um, he should be in that team, in all honesty. Uh, at the bare minimum, obviously Aaron Long's a great player, but at the bare minimum over Aaron Long. Like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, What's the pairing then? What what does he go with? Obviously Zimmerman's going well, to be it's Zimmerman. It's, it's, it's Zimmerman and Miles. Yeah, right. it has to. It has, it has to. to be. There's there's no other option. Honestly, you okay, can't. They, do they start else. until we qualify. Let me yeah. ask. Let me bring this up then, because obviously there are three games in a short amount of time. We've seen them rotate. You know the odd game, and then usually two games we get the same lineup, and then we have a rotational game. I don't think and. I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Do you rotate for any of these games? My my head, nope. Put the best team out there every single game. Unless they physically are not up to par fitness-wise, every single game, same lineup of your best players. I think you'll probably see – I don't want to say a downgraded lineup versus Mexico, but you'll see players get subbed out, I think, a lot earlier than you would expect against Mexico to save legs against Panama because – at the end of the day, yeah, if we can get a point against three points against Mexico in the Azteca, that's awesome. Historically, how often has that happened? Would you rather take your chances on that or versus Costa Rica? So away, you would probably say if you can get a draw at Mexico, that's a win in my book. You save those players for Panama. I think it'll be a little bit of a downgraded rotation team versus Mexico. Well, I mean, so yeah, Sorry. so me and Mike just they kind of we kind of talked about this last podcast a little bit. Um, a win against Panama basically seals qualification at this point, right right unless Costa Rica runs the table nine points out of nine this last this last window highly unlikely five, highly unlikely um a win against Panama pretty much seals, seals the deal for us right because no matter what would happen after that they couldn't they wouldn't be able to catch up to Rogers four points ahead um I don't I Vito I'm, I'm about it with you man like if if we were to not qualify or we come in fourth and then don't win the playoff afterwards you look back and say like, well, Mexico, we didn't go all out for three. And I don't want to have, like, I don't know, unless I'm not the coach, but as a fan, I would want to have that regret as a coach being like, I didn't put out a good enough lineup when I should have. Yeah. So I agree to Mike's point as well. I think we play a full lineup and I think we sub out key players that will, that will be doing more running. So someone to make a, a Christian Pulisic, a, what would have been running? Tyler, a Tyler like a Adams. You're going to yeah. take those players out. I'm taking them off in the 60th. Yeah. And you play for the draw. Center back wise, those guys yeah. can go all three games. I'm not too concerned with that, uh, barring any injuries along those lines. But it's I, – I see them leaning towards a, a weekend or Mexico spot. I would not be shocked. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, Mexico played Honduras and El Salvador. Two games they're going to win. If you're so I also path, think they're going to switch their lineup up a little bit too. Mm-hmm. It, Maybe it's too much of a cat and mouse game at that point. I given where Mexico's at in third place behind the United States, behind Canada, I think the media in Mexico would go berserk if they didn't go all out for all three games, especially against the United States, just given given three you know, I, three losses in a row. I, I feel like they have to go all out with a strong team in every game. So, I don't think you sub out players unless you're in a winning position. I don't know if the United States will be. I don't know if the United States will be in a winning position. Would you consider zero zero winning position in that scenario? Would a you consider point, a yeah. draw a win? A draw. I think depending on how the game plays out, if we're sitting and absorbing a ton so, of pressure. So 65th minute, it's you're in that scenario at zero zero, you're absorbing a ton of pressure. 70th minute, do you sub out those players? No. no. I think I because I look at it this way: 
you have 90 minutes to play against the other two teams who are not bad teams in Costa Rica and Panama, right? You've already put in 65 minutes worth of a win in that Mexico game. You're now not asking for three full games. You're asking for two games in just 30 minutes. That's it. And from that perspective, I'd say 30 minutes, guys. That's all I'm asking for you now. So that's it. See, that's easy to say in contact. I know, of course. course. I I know. I just like the games aren't easy. If you're, if don't get me wrong, you're getting smacked 3 0 in this game. Sure, take them off. I don't give a shit. But if the points are on the table, any one of those games are losable, especially given the quality of players we lost through injury. I don't think a single minute can be taken for granted. And I think that includes subbing players off out. Good point. That's definitely a good point. See that again, yeah, that's that strains our options at the same time, right? Like we lost like our best, I don't want to say our best midfielder Adam is good, Adam is just as good, but our best box to box guy, he's out. Our best right back, gone. Also a great attacker on, on the flank over there on the overlapping runs. He's out. Um, potentially our first choice goalkeeper or best shot stopper in a sense, he's out. It a lot of these things start to weigh into those decisions as well. Like who does Greg start maybe a little bit more of a heavy MLS lineup against Mexico guys that have experience, I would like to say, right? An Ariola, um, Colin Acosta, the guys like that. It's there's a lot that goes into it. I yeah. It's gonna be interesting no, to see what Greg does. There's really no right or wrong answer. Like he's per, gonna get personally, regardless. Personally, I think in the Azteca, I think you play Mexico on the counter there. I think you set up with Acosta in the middle you wait for your opportunities and then you try to take them where you can. So. Yep. And I think Anthony Robinson and Pulisic are going to have to just combine like no tomorrow down the left because you used to have that Brandon Aronson threat on the right-hand side. Um, Timothy Weah though, will still provide. He had a great, he had a great last camp. Yeah, he did. Um, so I think he'll slot in pretty nicely. But that, that alleviates the Aronson issue. Yeah. And then a nice peppy up top little, you know, I don't want to say revenge yeah. game, but it's a, uh, Obviously, a game close to his heart. Let's just say that. Yeah. So. Agreed. Do we think Raina gets any time right off the rip, or does he have to get eased into it a little bit? I think he gets eased in. I mean, he's the guy you bring up the bench. Yeah, you you ease him in. And then maybe you start him against Panama. Tell you what. All right, yes. You're in a do-or-die scenario in the third match. Raina starts. Oh, absolutely. You got talent. Talent will speak. I don't care about his match fitness. You can pull him off after 60 at that point in the last game if, he, if that's the problem. But I mean, he just he just he just put a full 90 for Dortmund, didn't he? I know he started. Did he play the full 90? I thought he came off in like the 80s, 70s. He probably did. Probably played the full. Regardless, the majority of the game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the only other omission I saw, kind of getting back to that point a little bit. Uh, Josh Sargent, obviously been playing pretty well for, for Norwich lately, getting a couple assists against Liverpool, becoming more of a, a threat, kind of playing in that more of a wing role than just a natural all-and-out striker. Um, I'm not terribly upset by this. Uh, P-Folk, Pepe, Farrar all got called in ahead of him. Yeah, I think Farrar just coming off a hat-trick that he just scored for Dallas. P-Folk's been an absolute machine lately. Pepe, if you want to have that form debate, like kind of like a John Brooks situation, should he be in the – yeah, should he be in the team? He's not been playing that well over there. Yeah. I mean, you can make the case realistically that Sargent should be playing instead of Pepe in these World Cup qualifying matches, honestly. Obviously, it wasn't going to happen, but, um, you know, the case is made to be there. Um, that being said, I think you'll probably see him start against 
Mexico. Probably see PFOC start, I would assume, against Panama or uh, in general. And and who was the, the third the third choice? Jesus Ferreira. Uh, Ferreira. Uh, he had good opportunities when he started. He just couldn't put them away. I think yeah. he's definitely like, he's a good player, but um, I feel like you got to go with the hot hand and ride PFOC, honestly, and, and as much as you can. Yeah. The guy can't, the guy can't stop scoring. Yep, I'm, I'm completely with you. I was going to say that if you didn't. I think P-Folk's got to be your guy for Mexico. I think he's got to be your guy in the first game, and depending on the performance, he's got to be your guy for his second and third game as well. I mean, he's he's tough, and you know the environment is going to be unreal in the Azteca. And then they're going to be away from home. So it's like, it, to me, you got to, you got to play the man in form right now up top. It's not like Pepe's been coming in and scoring goals when he's been playing for, recently for the national team. And he's not having a great time in Augsburg either. Let's not sure, Cody. He's having a downright terrible time there, which I didn't I didn't think was going to happen this soon. There's an adjustment period, but I think people I, I thought I, I initially thought it was a pretty bad move. I was happy for him to go to Europe, but it just didn't it didn't feel like there's there's so many other teams calling for him in better situations, like someone like an Ajax, even Dortmund, if he could have sweeped his way. I think he went to he was gonna start a what right away. It felt like a rushed move. Yeah, I'll say that. Yes. Very much so. Well, similar to Josh Sarge's moves, the, the Norwich down in the table, Augsburg down in the table. Okay, we're guaranteed start, starting time, but when you're playing in a quality of team that's not going to compete in the top of leagues like that, you're not going to see much of the ball to improve as it is. I mean, at the time, Norwich wasn't necessarily bottom of the league. Well, maybe they were, but they were – it was still early they were on. Side, they had a great attacking formation coming up through, through, through from the championship. I think they had the most goals scored ever or, or damn near close. Yeah, um, they, were, they were up there. While the move hasn't probably worked out as many, as many wanted him to, he was never going to overtake Pookie. It was gonna be, that was a long shot that happened. Um, obviously, he just wanted to get into a, like a, a first division league versus his, his uh, relegation uh, last season with Bremen. But I, I wouldn't even mind seeing him at the top championship league, uh, the top championship teams. I think he would be dropping like 15 to 20 goals in that league and getting regular game time. As, as like the striker position, at least. Um, any other glaring emissions though that you guys saw, kind of like from the lineup? Um, really, not too much, in my opinion. I don't think. No, nothing, nothing big. Um, I think we just touched upon him. Obviously, the big one is still Brooks. But otherwise, outside of that, anyone that's been left off, I, I can under, understand it. Um, it. You know. DK still out. Uh, Scally, he's just kind of getting back into form with uh, Gladbach a little bit. He had a little bit of a rough patch, um, so he's starting to get more starts again. Um, speaking of the center back situation, just kind of getting into it, Cameron Carter Vickers actually been killing it for Celtic over the last, I mean, just the entire season, realistically. Mm. Um, would you like to see him called in over some other names? I mean, it would have been more acceptable over Aaron Long if they did yeah. that. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I just don't know how you're going to bring in Aaron Long, honestly. And there's no disrespect to Aaron Long, but the guy hasn't played in like a year and hasn't been getting consistent football, right? Um, McCarter Vickers has been tearing it up in the Scottish Premier League. So he should be there, honestly, if Brooks isn't there, if other players aren't there, that probably should be ahead of him. So, Yeah, that's that's really the only name I could, I could really kind of find that, that really stood out to, uh, I guess, not making the roster. Um, guys like Conrad, they he he's fell he's fallen off ever since his like kind of hot start to the beginning yep. of the year. Uh, Brian Reynolds is nowhere to be seen really. He's, he's getting back in the form a little bit, but nothing crazy. Uh, Matthew Hop after his amazing Gold Cup run, kind of toured up there, 
went to, I think, Malaga, right? Yeah, he hasn't done much now, unfortunately. So, um, I mean, hell, you even could have put Tim Ream potentially in that center back spot. Yeah, like, yeah, him and Jetty. I honestly, yeah, honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have minded that one bit. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have minded it, but I don't know. I feel like they got that wrong. So, agreed. Uh, oh, I mean, listen, we're gonna ha- we're gonna have a problem with every roster that comes out there. It's just if if Brooks is in there, I don't think I have. I legitimately don't think I have a like a knock to put on it. But yeah, because you're still gonna have a strong midfield three, Eunice Musa. Probably Luca De La Torre and Tyler Adams, obviously. You'll probably still play cool six and then Pepe or Musa up top. So we're cool with that. And obviously, Way is going to have to slot in on the right. Um, and then the defenders speak for themselves. Yeah, it's just the center back. Alex, when you take injuries out of the equation, it's just that center back position that doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah it, it's a weird one. Do you guys think Horvath gets any starting time? He's been playing really well for Forrest. Uh- I think if Stefan, I think I think I think if Stefan's available, um, Stefan did get a game for City over the weekend in the FA Cup. Um, I yeah, he he did. But um, I think if Stefan's playing, he'll probably play Stefan just because you know golden golden child situation. Um, Maybe maybe Horvath will play in, in the Costa Rica game if it's all wrapped up by that point. But that's a big hypothetical. Yeah. Well, you don't got to rotate your goalkeepers. And, uh, you know, Zach Steffen, regardless of the game time, he's he's not getting over at City. I think he's still your top choice out of the three. That, like him, Sean Johnson, needs or that. Or Beth. Okay. And he'll have a, fuck, and he'll have a fucking point to prove. He's probably going to come out on fire because he's lost his number one spot. And he's going to want to make that World Cup roster. Interesting. interesting. Yeah. So where do you see – I was going to say, so where do you see the schedule in terms of how it plays out? Like where do you think if they wrap it up, confidence level, how are you feeling, what are we thinking? I'm kind of curious to dive into that. Win against Panama, man, just at all costs. Like if we don't win – because here, here's my thing. If we don't go in with a strong enough roster in Mexico and grab at least a point, Panama is a must win. And if we don't pick up a <laughs> – three points there we have to go into the last game of the match like the round and then potentially Costa Rica's playing for qualifying spot themselves potentially we, we don't know the outcomes of the previous two games yeah. so. you got you got to assume Panama is going to beat Honduras have to assume yeah, that's yeah. going to happen right well they play Canada on the final and, day. and they play Canada the following day so you have to assume they're going to lose they're probably going to lose to Canada right? I don't know dude Canada's probably not going to play their team they're locked up why would they risk injuries Alfonso Davies got the season coming up Jonathan Davies in the season right now I don't think they're going to put out a strong lineup. I, I mean, I wouldn't. You don't get. It's, it's not like you get anything by finishing top of the group in in World Cup qualifiers. All they have to do is finish in finish in the top. And once you lock that up, don't injure yourself. And then, well, on the flip side, Costa Rica they play Canada first. So okay, assume assume Canada wins that game. Then Costa Rica plays El Salvador. Probably three points for Costa Rica right there. Right. So. It's it's gonna be a tight race, and to your point, like you gotta play for. I just don't want to go into the final match yeah. having to need anything. And that's like, why I'm saying go all out for Mexico. Like, don't do the rotation. Why? Why even risk this? Why take a chance that the second game can go sideways and then you're banking on a third? Go after it from the very very first moment. Do what you have to do because even if you caught an injury, if you pick up the result against Mexico, you're basically in. 
Yeah, you're essentially in. You get four points out of the first two games you're in. Yes, that's yes. in my in my opinion. You're in. Yes, and honestly, even the draw of our Sorry, Steve. Go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying we can re- we can relax after that. Like realistically, a pan with three points is the most important. Like we get that. Like I I don't see. I I mean I'm not gonna do the math on like 15 different outcomes in front of me right now, but I don't see a way like how we don't get in. Um, the Mexico point, just a bonus at that point. I, I think it's good. I would prefer just being in the top three. Like, just give me a second or third place. I don't see us obviously going over over Canada at this at this point in time, but just qualify. I don't know. It's not not. At the end of the day, all all you can't. Well, it's so much easier said than done. Just don't lose two of the three. Pick up points in two of the three games, and you're probably in. Yeah, get a draw on the road. That's all yeah. you got to do. Just get it. Don't lose twice. Yeah. It's a good way to put it. I like it. So, I mean, if we lose two times in the last round of qualifying, I mean, do we deserve to be there at that point? You know, <laughs> more than likely, no. Yeah. The table would dictate otherwise. <laughs> I mean, realistically, what are we at? We're at 21. Coach Ricky's at 16. So for us to get knocked out of even just a qualifying position, we have to drop seven out of nine points at a minimum. I mean, we'd have to lose all three to really get knocked out completely. So at the very worst, I see us getting fourth place in, in, in the group. And that's if we have an absolute shit window, um, which we really haven't really had too much of. Um, so, I mean, look, at the end of the day, we all make, we make these determinations, you know, not knowing whether Costa Rica or Panama or Mexico are going to drop points themselves. Cause they're probably sitting there saying the same thing. We got to win two games. We got to win two games. You know what I mean? And obviously not all four teams are going to win two games, especially when they're playing amongst each other. So one win and I feel good. I agree. Yeah. I'm and at a seven, on Canada. <laughs> I'm at a, I'm at a 70% confidence level right now. Yeah. So I'm not going to lie to you and say that I'm, very, very confident just because of what's happened in the, the past uh, World Cup qualifying stage. But listen, Trinidad still is very much ingrained in our memory, and we're never going to forget that for quite a while. Um, it also doesn't help that we're playing the, the three teams directly below us. Like, right? It's not. It's not like we have Honduras, or El Salvador. It's kind of like a gimme game right now. Like we're like we've already finished those. Yeah. Um, we. I'm not, I don't have everyone's schedule in front of us. I know Mexico plays both two or three bottom teams. Um, I don't have Panama's in front of us, but like realistically, I would say we probably have the hardest remaining schedule. We do. No, we definitely well, do. Definitely. We definitely that one one draw at Jamaica a couple like two rounds ago really might come back to bite us. Yes, hopefully not. But that Mikel Antonio absolute fucking cracker from like 35 out that he scored. Yeah. yeah. Those two points right now, breathing room. Dude. Breathing room. Yeah. Would not would not be worried one bit actually. It would probably twenty three. Yeah, I probably would be like ninety five percent confident at that point. Well, we'll see. That we will. Anything else, fellas? Go U.S. Let's get it. That was very that was very meek. Uh, go right. U.S. Yeah. <laughs> and that'll do it for this episode of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. Like, comment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod for daily tweets about the show, world football, transfer news, United States, United States men's national team, and the Premier League. I'm your host, Steve, with Mike and Vito signing off.